This podcast is brought to you by Story King Books. Sign up now and get a free copy of my latest ebook, Launch Your Podcast Like a Pro. The link will be in the show notes. And now for today's episode. Welcome to the Story King Podcast, the show featuring inspirational conversations about the art and business of storytelling and living life. I'm your host, John Carlo, and today's guest is my good friend, Gajuar Siafu. So I'm doing something I've never done before. I'm coming to this interview totally unprepared, no questions or anything. These are just real-life stories with Gajuar Siafu. If you remember from a previous season, he was on here talking about the book The Alchemist, and now he's coming on to share real-life stories from his own life. These are experiences that he's lived through, and I don't want to say much else. I think you guys are in for a real treat. So here is my conversation with Gajuar Siafu. Gajuar Siafu, welcome back to the Story King podcast. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Remember last time you were here, we were talking about The Alchemist. Yeah, wow. Well, I'm glad to be here. Uh, you're right. Last time we were talking about The Alchemist, which is a fantastic uh, book. And today we're talking about, I guess we're talking about my life, I guess. I don't know. But mm-hmm. whatever it is, we're going to have fun with it. And we're going to be truthful with it. So. So, I mean, I wanted to have you back on because I remember we were talking in your shop and you just had story after story after story (laughs) about your life. And I'm like, not as many people have all these interesting stories about their own life. So, you know, I I would like to just just talk about some of them so you could just go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Well, first of all, I have to give a disclaimer Mm. about these glasses. (laughs) I'm at somebody else's desk, so I picked up their glasses so I could see a little bit better that's over with where do you want to start i mean we got i got stories listen let me just say this i got a lot of stories because ever since i was younger i made it a point to live life and as i live life you know it's weird but i would say that i'm documenting my life up here so ever since i was younger i can remember saying that very very young so all these stories are starting to come out now in my in my older older years you know i'm 50 56 right now mm-hmm. 55 actually so now i'm seeing more and more of those stories that were stored on the hard drive and they're coming out and i'm and i'm wondering like why is this happening you know what i'm saying the last couple of years all those stories that i thought were tucked away somewhere in the crevices of my mind and in my heart but now they're coming to surface and i'm more willing to talk about them so well uh, let's let's start in chronological order so we'll talk from your early and then work your way back up yeah okay from the beginning um the eldest of five kids and before my siblings it was just me and my mom who's a single single mother you know and my and my youngest brother and she was a young you know as far as i know my mom you know we're from the street she was a street you know street chick you know not in a negative sense but she is a survivor and i've always said about that about my mother she's always was a soldier and so on the battlefield as a kid she would have us in tow me probably here and my brother on her hip somewhere you know what i mean and so the wars that she fought i like to say we fought those same wars 
from abusive uh, men, boyfriends, to watching people with these heavy addictions, alcohol addictions, heroin addictions, and the projects. And um, along with that lifestyle, and of course, my mother was never on heroin. She was never an alcoholic. Um, but maybe the people that she associated herself with were not so good people. And so, you know, my mother has always been smart and a very hard worker. And so she would be out working. And, you know, a lot of times, in a lot of cases, these abusive men would abuse the kids. You know, it's kind of like in the lion kingdom. A lot of times the male lions don't want anybody else's kids around. And so they seek to destroy those cubs. In hindsight, now at 56 years old, I'm probably probably what happened. You know what I mean? Uh, various guys probably didn't like somebody else's kids being around. And so they would try to destroy the child, meaning myself and my little brother at the time. So we endured a lot of that abuse. We come from a very, I come from a very poor family, um, very, very poor. I remember the kids that were in the hood who were also poor. They was making fun of us because we were super poor. Like we was at the bottom of the bottom. You know what I mean? And I remember the whole family getting ridiculed for being so poor. And I, I was like, wait a minute, but we all live in the same place and you look poor too. But I guess we were just the poorest of the poor. So, you know, despite how bad these stories may seem, they were pretty great stories. They were pretty great moments in time. Um, I remember at one point, well, the beginning is kind of shady. Some family members say that like we all have different fathers. That's now, you know, that's what we have. I was told that my father kind of just got with my mother and just skipped out. I seen him one time, I think, when I was probably eight for like two minutes. He bought me a cheeseburger one day that I never finished. And then I never seen him again. But, you know, that's cool. But in between that, my mother had different boyfriends, like I said, that were very abusive in nature. You know, we, we endured a lot of shit, especially myself, because I'm the I'm the eldest. And a lot of my family members, you know, if you see me pausing and thinking in between these conversations, because I'm thinking about how my family members are going to feel if they see this and they don't know half of this shit that I'm about to tell you. They're, you know, how are they going to feel knowing this about their oldest brother? You know what I'm saying? But because we never really talked about it in the family. And I certainly didn't talk about it while my mother was alive. Uh, rest, of, rest her soul, you know. But, you know, I got to say this. My mother did the best that she could. She kept all five of us together. And that's one thing that I never forgot. She kept us all together. It was a lot of us. We were badass kids, especially myself. Bad, 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 <laughs> bad hood kid. I was all over the bar. I was all over, you know, upstate New York, where actually I was born. Just going, 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 going constantly. And so it was hard to keep track of us. But she kept us all together. You know, but in saying that, I do remember being very, very poor. And I remember we used to drink sugar water and ketchup sandwiches just because there was nothing else to eat. Hmm. You know what I mean? And those are times that really made me who I am today, because when I was younger, I vowed to not be poor. I vowed to not have kids that was going to drink sugar water and mayonnaise sandwiches and ketchup sandwiches. And for Thanksgiving, go through the circular and cut pictures of turkeys and paste them on the wall and shit. I was not going to have that for my children. So I worked very hard to try to do that along with their along with their mothers. But one story in particular that stands out to me. Because as I got older, you know, I was labeled not only in the, in the street, but by family and by society as a problem. I was a problem because I was always, 
always, I guess, in trouble. And, you know, I remember my mother saying, she would always say to me, you can't fight City Hall. You can't fight City Hall. Or she would say, seems like you have a chip on your shoulder. And I never really understood that until I got older. And then I realized that, yeah, I probably do have a chip on my shoulder. I'm probably uh, a little bit extra aggressive. But then I started thinking back, thinking back to where that aggression came from. You know, she had a boyfriend who was a who was a heroin addict, and I would watch him bang that shit in his arms daily. Now she didn't know any about this. she didn't know about this because she was working, trying to make you know cleaning people's houses, driving buses, trying to do anything to keep the family afloat. But this guy was a really bad guy, and I remember watching him shoot the heroin, tying off his wrist. And I think I was probably maybe five or six at the time. Hmm. And he would um, send me throughout different places in the projects. We would take the ground beef and put the heroin in the middle of the ground beef. And I would deliver it to all the other users in, in, in the building. And then, of course, I'd watch them tie up their wrists and bang, bang the heroin in their arms and then bring the money back to him. And it was crazy. It was crazy to see that. And you would think that at that age, you would see it and probably forget about it. But I saw it and I experienced a lot of horror that came with it. When he wasn't on heroin, he was very irritable. He was just a madman. And I remember when he was so aggressive and so violent. I remember, I guess heroin would make you spit like a lot of mucus and he would spit the mucus behind the bed, like on a piece of paper, like a newspaper. And it would pile up after days and weeks. And it'd be thick, stinky mucus. And then he would send me to throw it in the garbage. And I remember every every time just grabbing this big pile of mucusy paper and the freaking mucus is seeping through the paper and the smell is all over me. And I would have to throw that away. And then again, when she was gone, he would he would he would hit me. You know what I mean? He would he would really hit me. And I never understood why. And it was just Besides the physical abuse, there was a lot of mental abuse where I remember one day, well, this happened a lot. He would beat me till I was unconscious, just probably because he didn't like me. I don't know, but I was a kid. He would beat me till I was unconscious. And then he would throw me into a room and then close the door. It was dark. And then I would notice that while I was in that room, all of this, all of this calamity and chaos and confusion is happening in the room, but I'm in the room by myself. And so, you know, there'd be sound effects going on, like eerie music playing. And I would think it was something spiritual. As a little kid, I think it was ghost. The place was haunted. And after coming up out of being beat unconscious and all of this is going on, you know, it really did something to my psyche. Only to find out at one point what he did was he was such an evil genius in the artistry of torture. What he did was he would take like the, the screws with the eye and he would put them from the outside of the door through the top of the roof all the way to by the curtains. And he would attach fishing line through those eyes and then tie the end to the curtains and the fishing lines to the curtains, tie uh, ends of fishing lines to shoes and, and toys that was in the room. So he could be on the outside of the room pulling the string. And it seems like all of this stuff is happening on a spiritual level or a ghostly level. And I'm a five-year-old, you know what I mean? And, 
you know, I thought I was in a room by myself after just getting beat up and all of this shit is happening. If you can understand what that means, like, can you imagine, like you look at your, you look at your window and it's night and the screen and excuse me, the, the curtains are moving. You don't notice a fishing line attached to threaded through these eyes that's on the wall. You don't know mm-hmm. these shoes sliding across the floor is the puppet master doing this. You know what I mean? So that happened for a long time. And I see that that played a really huge role in my level of aggression with people as I got older. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, because it was that. It was, you know, seeing the alcoholics. It was seeing the drug addicts. It was everything combined. And the abuse was really real. Like, I can remember being tied up in the 70s summer, hot as hell in the 70s, tied up outside by my wrists and my feet all day long in a hot sun by this maniac and left out there all day long. Can you imagine a young kid tied up to, I think, a flagpole or something in in the middle of a field, an abandoned field, and just all day long? By the same guy. By the same guy. It's the Mm -hmm. same person. This guy's he was the worst. And my mother knew nothing about this. You know what I mean? So I say anybody that's watching this podcast, be conscientious of who your young children are around. You know what I mean? Don't mm-hmm. just automatically assume that it's all good because some people have the mind of a maniac and they transfer that information and that abuse onto your children. And you don't even have a clue. So, and then one day with that same situation, I got smart, you know, back in the days you put in a nickel or a dime in the bubblegum machine and they would give you this, like in this big brown piece of plastic, they would give you like a rubber jelly frog or, you know, a big silver fake coin or some cases a little pocket knife and it's only like this big and in this case i was waiting to get the pocket knife so i kept putting nickel dime after dime and i got the pocket knife and i would keep it with me so the last time that i got tied up i was able to take the pocket knife out and just kind of go through the ropes for hours and free myself and then of course i freed my brother that's how that went man so it was i say that those times were very very difficult and very traumatic. But at the same time, when I look back, those were electrifying times as well, you know, because when that type of abuse wasn't going on, I was in the streets. I was having fun. You know what I mean? I didn't realize how how the abuse and the trauma would affect me later on in life. But in hindsight, as I like I said, when I look back, I'm like, I think I had a pretty good childhood, despite, you know, the obvious. So, yeah, it was a lot of that that went on. I you just know. have a question, Godjoir. You and your brother were tied up at the same time. Like, so was your brother also going to uh, going through similar? Well, it abuses? was not really my brother at that okay. time. Yeah, he wasn't. Be, he wasn't. He wasn't abused like that. He was tied up with me one time. Okay, but I think this guy may have been. I think he was Spanish, Latino, and my other brothers and sisters are very, very fair skinned. As opposed to me, I'm the darkest one in the family. Mm-hmm. And so, and we all had different fathers. So I think possibly the guy didn't like the fact that, you know, I was so dark skinned or whatever, because the abuse really only happened to me. Mm-hmm. I don't remember seeing my brother get beat up like that or tortured. I, I really don't. But I had to deal with it every day for years. You know what I mean? So that's why I do remember that one day he was tied up. But, you know, I don't remember him getting his ass kicked. I don't remember him getting hung from a door by his wrist. And the other side of the door tied off with a rope and a huge knife, like a machete placed under him. I don't remember that. You know what I mean? And I'm glad that he didn't have to deal with that abuse. You know what I'm saying? But I don't remember my little brother 
this this crazy maniac man came home with a vicious dog and the dog was just like Cujo, like snarling, slobber shit coming out of his mouth. Was, and this guy's forcing me to pet this damn dog who obviously didn't want to be pet. And he's like forcing me to you go and you pet that dog. And and the dog is going crazy on the chain. The, the fucking links in the chain was like this. And I'm like, I'm a little kid. And I'm crying. I remember screaming and crying. I did not want to touch this goddamn dog because this dog was going bananas to try to get at me. And this man was like, you better get over there. And, you you know, I, I, I remember things like that. And I think every story from this particular person probably, um, uh, I'm going to say it, it probably enhanced my life as an elder, as, a, as an older person, as a young adult, because I was faced with that do or die situation with that vicious dog. It made me never, ever fear anything. Right. You know what I mean? Because I was in that room with, with the wires, you know, going through the wall and all this mystical, magical, spiritual shit going on. I've learned that, you know, my life as, a, as an older person, I've learned to quiz and test everything and take nothing on face value. Is this really what I'm experiencing or is this somebody behind the scenes uh, pretending? You know what I mean? You know, you take a bad situation like that, and now years later, it may be more analytical about people. Is this really what it appears to be, or is something else going on behind the scenes? And those are some of the attributes that I've carried with, with me over the years. I think I remember the last major thing that happened to me, which was a pivotal role in my development as a person, was I remember being in the projects. I forget what floor we lived on, but we would look down at the courtyard, and there was this kid named Armin, and he was a bully. He was vicious, and he would hang out with other bullies. And he was kicking everybody's ass. And I had a fight with him. And again, he's like maybe 15, 16 years old. I'm probably seven, eight. So I had a fight with this older person, this older kid, and he kicked my ass. That's to be expected. And then this guy, I don't even want to say his name, but he was watching. I call him the maniac, the abuser, the animal, the monster. He was watching from the window. So when I got back to the house, he was like, go back out there and you fight again. And so I went out there and, you know, kick, kick my ass again in front of the whole block. It was like 30 people. And I went back to the house and he was like, go back out there. You fight till you win. So I went out there again, acting like I wasn't going to fight, just meandering around and then jumped on the kid. He fucked me up again. <laughs> go back to the house. He says, you take this, this rock and you hit him in the head. That's you sneak up behind him. You hit him with this rock. So I go back out there on the battlefield. Everybody's out there. Probably by now, everybody knows what I'm going to do. <laughs> so I go to sneak up behind the kid after a couple of minutes of stolen, and he flips him around his back, really fucks me up. It beat me up bad. So there was a, a, a group of twins, uh, Melvin and Elvin. And they were like, they look like, the one thing I remember about Melvin and Elvin, they look like owls. Like their faces were round and they had these eyebrows that went out like this and they looked just like owls. You know, as a young person, I remember them looking like owls, you know, so I, I was beat up so bad that day that they each one of them. I remember pulling me because we had to go up the stairs and they carried me all the way up the stairs. And when we got to the top of the stairs, we opened the door and the monster man, he had a club. It's the first time in life I've ever been knocked out to. Consequently, the last time he had this little club, it was probably like three feet and he swore they, they were holding me up. I couldn't even walk. So we got to the top of the stairs into the apartment. He opened up the door with his club and he swung this fucking club 
like a baseball player, like a major league baseball player and hit me in the head so hard. It was a, it was a piece of wood. Actually what it was, it was a piece of wood. And it was so fast. It was so violent that I fell all the way down the stairs, all the way back down. And again, that was the first time I ever got knocked out the last time. And then, you know, from what I heard, you know, he went down the stairs, went, kicked the kid's ass, you know, kicked the door in, kicked the parents ass, you know, kicked everybody's ass after that. But I never forgot that piece of club to the head and being knocked out and falling down those stairs. You know, it's funny because years later, probably at this point, I'm in my maybe early thirties. And, um, I actually saw Melvin and Elvin and they were like, wow, I remember that this happened to you. And they brought that up. And I couldn't believe because, you know, in your, in your subconscious mind, you want to believe that, that that never happened. But they were like, no, this happened and this is what happened. And it just confirmed exactly what I knew. And it was like, wow. So fast forward to adulthood, that particular lesson, life lesson, if you want to call it that, enabled me to be fearless under any circumstance and to when it came for time for aggression to just keep trying when it came time to not only aggression, but anything that experience taught me to just keep going and keep persevering. You know what I mean? Um, not because of what was on the other side of the wall, but just to not give up. So I think that I may have transformed all these negative situations into a positive, some way in my mind, some crazy way to justify and rationalize it. But those things enabled me to be the person that I am today. And of course I've been faced with, adversities that could rival these since I've been a, an adult. And I, I've always looked back and said, okay, well, I went through this. I could definitely go through this and, and be victorious. You know what I mean? When I was in the field in Brooklyn on some violent shit, I would always be like, well, you know what? There's no way I can lose because if they don't have the heart like me and they can't outthink me, they're never going to win. So I would apply that kind of stuff to the, uh, the circumstance at hand. So mm -hmm. I know I'm talking a lot, right? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, these are these are crazy stories that, you know, I think a lot of people crazy, you know, haven't uh, experienced and maybe some people have, but they haven't been able to rationalize it and, and use it for for their good. So I think right. it's uh, it's interesting. I remember as a really, really I think it was I was really, really young. I remember the family of this maniac. I don't know. I don't know. But I remember alcohol being put in my bottle as a baby. And I say that only say that, man, why didn't I end up being an alcoholic? I bypassed that part of life. I bypassed the part of life of being a heroin addict or a drug addict or an insane, crazy person. Um, maybe I'm a little insane, crazy, possibly, possibly. I don't know. But I think I've outgrown that phase. But all these substances... I never got addicted to these substances because guess what? I was fearful of drugs and alcohol. That's the one thing I fear. I didn't fear anything else in life, but I, I feared substances because I guess I saw what alcoholism did in my family, my grandfather, my uncle, my brother, you know, my daughter, you know, I've seen all of that. And I've always said, man, I'm going to just not, uh, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't be at such a 
disadvantage in life. So that was my conversation with Gajuar Siafu. I'll make sure his links are in the show notes. Remember, this is just part one. We have two more episodes to follow. And don't forget to check out storykingbooks.com. You can also follow us on Instagram. The username is storyking.podcast. And if you'd like to be a part of what we're doing with the show, please consider becoming a patron. You could choose a monthly membership tier at www.patreon.com forward slash the story king. You can also click like on our Facebook page. We're at facebook.com forward slash story king podcast. Those links will be in the show notes as well. One more thing, if you're enjoying the show, please do me the favor of sharing it with your friends and on social media, subscribing to it and leaving a positive review on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. I'd greatly appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Story King podcast, a show about the art and business of storytelling and living life. Please join us next time. Until then.